right. So you'll be recording this one, right? Yep. I am okay. all set up and recording. We have audio hitting the old... I don't know how to... The old sound waves. <laughs> 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 Hey everyone, welcome to Hardcore Football. Uh, I'm your host, Phil Bakke. I'm joined by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, we uh, it's a World Cup final this weekend. Jeez, yeah. I feel like, I, I mean, I, I think the tournament did go fast, and I don't think that's just a feeling. I think it was literally like shoved into the calendar, as we know. So, yeah, yeah it's here. It's here. It was held over, I think, three fewer days than is typical or something like that. There you go. Um, as I was reading some of the plans for the, or prospective plans for the 2026 World Cup, it made me, it gave me full uh, exhausted dad at the computer <laughs> vibes of just, yeah. <laughs> as the 108th match of the 2026 World Cup kicks off, just dead um what are they talking about like 48 teams or something ridiculous maybe? 48 yeah That's it's so 48 dumb. for sure and they don't know how they're gonna divide it up so they were gonna do 16 oh groups that's of for three. sure mm -hmm. 48 they're actually is actually doing that yeah that's yep, so that's ass <laughs> okay wow yeah 48 is for sure they just don't know how they're gonna divide it up and everybody was like three team groups are terrible Awful. Like, like that one year at the Euros where they did uh three team groups and it was just like just like everybody made it. Like felt like right. what was the fucking point of the group stage? <laughs> and uh waste her time twenty twenty six. Yeah. So it's like okay, you play all that time and only eliminate they're only eliminating like they want a round of thirty two in the knockouts. So they're only eliminating 16 teams in the group stage. It's like they're not Jeez. even eliminating half of the field. I love how we just came on here to complain. Yeah. That's love. That's awesome. <laughs> and they're expanding the Club World Cup. We're just like trying to kill footballers. That's like the goal here. Right. Um, <laughs> So if you're finding us for the first time, we don't always just complain at the beginning of the episode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're hardcore football. Uh, we talk about typically like the top five leagues in Europe and just general news from the world of football, soccer, whatever, whichever you refer to it as. And we, um, you know, bring our, our own perspective uh, as Americans like into it, but we pay most attention to, Europe and and what goes on in the top five leagues we've been talking the World Cup obviously because it's been the thing in football that's been going on um and as we approach the final um obviously tons to talk about we have the third place game tomorrow um and then uh just a, thought we'd have a nice little discussion about what we enjoyed watching about this about this World Cup um but if you are finding us for the first time and you're like where 
do I find more? Uh, your favorite podcast platform, we're on there, Hardcore Football. Um, and if you find us, uh, yeah, leave a leave a like or subscribe or do whatever it is that gets the podcast into your feed. And uh, and then if it allows you to leave a rating, we would appreciate it. But um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at HXC Football. Um, and uh, yeah, there's all kinds of banter and other stuff on there. So you can join in the conversation but Mika I mean I feel like it's straight to business with this because there's really only one place to start France Argentina the the stage is set for the sort of heavyweight clash in the World Cup final that you'd expect France the defending champions Argentina with Lionel Messi at the helm um you know seemingly this team of destiny um and uh between France and Argentina one what do you make of the final like overall but and 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 what are you feeling ahead of this final I guess from a from a broad perspective like what are what are your I guess what are the vibes for France Argentina I'm not gonna lie like I'm firmly in the I want Messi to win it camp and so I'm a little (laughs) stressed out like I'm not that I'm an Argentina fan but it's just like it would be the perfect, like, cherry on top of the absolutely mental career that he's had. So I, I, I'm nailing my colors yeah. to the Albi Celeste mast right now. I do want Argentina <laughs> to win, so, you know, flame me if you want. But, yeah, I'm a little bit stressed out about that. But, I mean, France are worthy finalists once again. I mean, it's incredible to not only make it past the group stage because as we know finalists tend to not yep. but to be in the final once again with I would argue is a not as good team as 2018 mm-hmm. um I mean still a fantastic team but I think you know no Conte no Pogba like crazy um so yeah I mean two worthy finalists it seems like if any game it seems like this tournament has not had like an iconic match really sure. yet and this could be the one, the final. So, uh, um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that it'll be entertaining to say the least. I, I don't know that it'll be too high scoring. It might be a bit tepid at first, but uh, once these these two teams get roaring, like it could really, really be a fascinating watch. Um, and for the neutrals, it's probably just absolutely brilliant. Um, so. You know, I say that like I'm not a neutral, but again, like I do want Messi to win, so I kind of do feel like I'm not I am a neutral. Straight but, up, not uh, a neutral. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the vibe, though. That's and it's uh, it is interesting in terms of things that are not as cool for the neutral. Um, they announced the the kits for the final, and it's Argentina in the in their white and blue, you know, the, the classic white and blue striped tops, but white shorts rather than the, the black that they typically wear. Um, and then France is wearing all Navy, um, and not the white shorts with the red socks. So I don't know who makes those decisions, but I'm actually kind of pissed that they've robbed us of Argentina's classic look and France's classic look. France's um, look was so good. They literally look like the fr- French flag. I, that's like want? the whole that I, that's like the whole thing. Like that's the point. <laughs> um anyways, so I'm not sure who at FIFA or whoever like comes up with that stuff, but 
Just mm. just let them wear their normal like. I don't now know. they're just le bleu. So. Literally, um, <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about this this messy angle because I mean the reality is like you said this is this has the potential to be like one of the most romantic things that has happened in sports in like ever. Um, <laughs> like we could be talking about Lionel Messi's, you know, last dance doc documentary in, in 20 years, um, mm. where we talk about that 2022 final as like, this was just like you said, the cherry on top of, of Messi's just insane career. Um, but is, is it, I guess like, like you mentioned the nerves and is it almost like I heard someone say on another podcast, like good things don't happen in football. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> that's bleak. The, the weight of Messi coming into this with the idea that like him winning it. And I mean, you can hear it in some of the uh, interview answers from Argentinian players. You can like, they are playing for him, like in many ways. Um, is yeah. the weight of that almost does it almost give an advantage to France because they're playing with a different sort of pressure as the defending champions, um, and it's less focused on an individual, maybe. Okay, the question is tell me say the question again. I mean, I basically, is this is it too much? Like is mm, is the okay. is the romanticism around Messi potentially winning his final World Cup like his in his yeah. final World Cup appearance. Okay. Walking off the champion like is that almost too much for this Argentina team to like see it through? That's an interesting That's an interesting point. I mean, it I don't know. It felt too much when they lost to Saudi Arabia. Like, <laughs> it really did. And then from there, they've just gone from from strength to strength. I mean, we've seen this Argentina team get better and better as the, the tournament has gone on. Um, and I think the way that they played against uh, Croatia was outstanding. So, I mean, they don't look bothered right now. And, and yes, you know, there there is a lot to say about this whole, like, destiny and some things are written in the stars and i do think some things are written in the stars so sure. um i do as much as i want argentina to win i do think that they will win um uh because i just think that they they're gonna take it to france um and i don't and i i think there is to, to answer your question more broadly i think there is a difference in this argentina squad from a mental fortitude aspect because they could have definitely collapsed from that saudi arabia uh, mm -hmm. defeat and 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 we talked on this podcast this very podcast about are they overreacting a little bit to what happened there because that was a freak result um with all due respect to Saudi Arabia the the football team <laughs> right <laughs> but um yeah I had to clarify that not the but, um <laughs> right um but and, and Lionel Scaloni like he's he's been he's been pretty adventurous I would say as a tactician throughout this tournament and when he made all those changes we're like whoa like are we doing a bit too much here but no he's continued to be that way and it's it's gotten him into a final so I do think mentally there's a difference 
um, from this Argentina squad that went to the final in, say, 2014. Um, I think this side is... Uh, well, I mean, I guess it is debatable if they're arguably more talented, but I just do think that there are players here that are... They're not haunted by those defeats, you know? They're yep. not... You know, there's there's new blood in this squad. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, um, Julian Alvarez, mm-hmm. fantastic player, like really yeah. announced himself against Croatia, is helping, you know, take some of the slack off Messi, uh, you know, in attacking areas and, and you know, um, kind of covering, I guess, for Lautaro Martinez, who we, I think, could be performing better. Not that he's been horrible, but could definitely do better. Um you know, it's it's a different squad. It's a different makeup. They're not, they don't have that scar tissue, and so I right. think that they're going to go out there and and be fearless. Um, and yeah, I think that they've experienced. I mean, I just think too that their road to this final was harder. Yeah. You know, I I think that Netherlands. That's that's a that's a tricky fixture. Um, and it was very fiery, obviously, as we know. <laughs> the Netherlands uh, injected as much needle into it as possible. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, and then they had to go up against Croatia, who were outstanding, another finalist, you know, from 2018. They were really good. I mean, a, a Luka Modric just putting on a masterclass every game, it felt like, and they, they stood up to that. Um, you know, they beat... Australia, who are not a powerhouse by any means, but were definitely like, you know, shocking the world with the way that they made it through the the round of sixteen. Anyway, um, played poorly against Mexico, but yet still won and shut them out. Mm-hmm. You know, shut out Poland as well. So, I mean, I think that they've, I think that they've had a more impressive run here, and I think hopefully that experience will will stand them in good stead. But France are the defending champions; they have that memory of what it's like to win they know how to win a world cup and they've got a very experienced manager in Deschamps so um yeah I think on Argentina's side of the ball yeah maybe maybe the legacy stuff and the the crowning achievement for Messi may be too much pressure wise but uh they just have looked more and more unflappable as the tournament has gone on from that Saudi Arabia so I'd like to say that it won't get to them and they'll they'll fulfill their destiny as it were and you think, like, after that Netherlands game with the amount of the amount of intensity, there was the the real risk in that Croatia match of a hangover, of mm-hmm. like, hey, we expended a ton of en- energy, went all the way to penalties, like, it was really, you know, that giving up that hundred and second minute equalizer, whatever it was, yeah. you know, um, like lot of emotions up and down all that stuff to come out then and be as professional as they were in picking apart a Croatia team that gave Brazil fits like gave you know this was not like a a a fluky I mean yes Croatia needed some luck to get past Brazil but in the end like frustrated Brazil and they weren't able to frustrate Argentina in the same way and Argentina didn't bring the intensity emotionally from that Netherlands game like it it didn't really carry over um which I thought was really impressive from Scaloni and the and the players to 
leave that in in the quarterfinals and move on and like take the next challenge as it came so it does suggest that there is you know you mentioned the mental fortitude and i think it just it, that to me suggests that this argentina squad does have something more about them um and they feel purposeful like in in these last few games it feels like they just have that i don't know like they're like they are swagger. focused on the goal and like yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of a swagger where they're like, we're we are going to like give everything to do this, and um, yeah, they picked apart Croatia quite professionally, and Messi was unbelievable <laughs> once again. Um, not just like, not just oh, like Messi could win a World Cup with Argentina. It's like Messi has been one of the best players at the tournament <laughs> at. 37 years old you know yeah yeah i mean you and i i i've been reminding you over and over that we're gonna do our best 11s and (laughs) the fickle among us will remove yasko vardiol for what happened to him but i (laughs) he will still make it into my 11 i think i think every defender who's anybody gets messied from time to time just ask jerome boateng yeah so and and besides that moment i thought he defended Messi really well but, um, yeah, I mean, Messi's just looking so inspired. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when he's doing stuff like that, like, you know, completely bamboozling a defender to, to square it to Julian Alvarez, like, it's just like, you know, it's going to happen. Like, he's going to do something ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, like, he's just been – I don't know what else to say about the man. Like, he's just the best footballer I've ever seen. Um, and so I, I would just be – we're so happy for him if he's able to, you know, cap off a career with this this trophy that's eluded him so far. Um, but I mean, look, I mean, should we talk about France though? Because I think like, yeah. What? Because what did you make of France Morocco? Because I thought, yeah, France deserved to win. They finished their chances, but I thought Morocco could have probably scored some goals. Uh, and France looked kind of. I, I don't want to say leg I mean maybe leggy I don't know they just looked it was just like the Antoine Griezmann show and everyone else was just kind of yeah like, like he was being Antoine Griezmann and he was being Golo Conte and Paul Pogba yeah I I like, want I think they won the game because of him period I, I want to talk about Antoine Griezmann separately later because like <laughs> I don't know what we're seeing from Antoine Griezmann but but yeah, to your point, in the Morocco game, I thought Morocco were much the better team for large parts of that game. And mm. it wasn't it wasn't just because I think there is a version of that game with a with an elite team facing a team that is um that has soared to to heights, you know, yet unknown. Like they've never been on the stage. And not only that, they're carrying the history of no team from their continent had ever been to that stage of the competition and uh and so there's a lot of weight there there's a lot of like and i think there's a version of that game where france score early concede a lot of possession to morocco because they know that they're a team that likes that thrives off of transitions and morocco don't create a lot and are kind of ponderous and Mm. don't really get things right and uh it is a quite boring game that ends you know 
whatever one nil and it's just or maybe two nil with like a late counterattack, which ended up kind of being the thing but the game that actually played out was Morocco also looked good when France conceded possession to them like they didn't look like just a team that could create danger in transition they also created good chances like playing a friend a really good French team playing a no joke low block <laughs> and so uh. so I I I mean we we were a matter of inches away from seeing one of the goals of not only this world cup but ever scored in a world cup and <laughs> where the backup center back who came in for Roman Saiz, yeah, Yamik nearly scores an overhead kick. Um, but they they had loads of chance. And I think it doesn't even bear out in the XG because so often the Moroccan player, like in a dangerous position, would fail to create a shot, ball gets stuck under their feet, they made like one too many passes, one too many touches, all that sort of stuff. And I think like they were literally a moment of decisiveness away from not just giving France like trouble, but potentially like winning that game in regular time. Cause mm. France was for a lot of the game, they did just kind of sit back. Like they, they were really passive. Um, and which is intentional, right? But- yeah, yeah, and it, but it's just it's stunning to see, I guess, from a team where you look kind of across it, it's like, man, Morocco's been hit by injury. France probably have a really good chance to just like take it to them and really like assert themselves. And Deschamps is like, mm, no, like <laughs> I'd rather just play this, like, um, and and so. I'm not trying to like take the piss out of France that much. Cause I mean, the world cup finalists for the second time in a row, like you can't take anything away from them, but in the matches that they played in the knockout stages, there have been times where they've been like on the ropes mm. and not just in a, like, ah, like we were, we're under a little bit of pressure, but we like regained composure and, and kind of took back the initiative in the game. It's like, no, like, for large periods of the game, France is kind of last ditch defending. And like Lloris, Lloris has been like one of their best players because he's been called into action a lot over the course of the knockout stages. And, uh, and I think more than you would anticipate. And then I would also say that the fact that people left a France Morocco game talking about the performance of Ibrahima Kanate is like a standout performance is significant because I think most people would have thought that you wouldn't be talking about France's center backs doing that much defending uh, in mm. when there's like a golf in quality or yeah. a perceived golf in quality. So anyways, I think France are frustrating for that reason because they are so effective in these tournaments. But I think some of the stick that the likes of like maybe Gareth Southgate gets for like being boring, you know, and like playing like, Oh, you have all this talent. Like, why don't you play better football? It's like Deschamps is like the king of that. Like mm-hmm. this, yeah. this team is stacked and you play like Burnley, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's a little harsh. Okay. But 
you you but get my point. But your point is made. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, since we're on France, then what are the keys for France to win this game? <sighs> well, I think one of the keys, quite honestly, is <laughs> there's word on the street or the reporting that's being done is that there's a virus that's hit the French camp and there's a mm. few names that were listed as like having knocks potentially not being available and Ibrahim Kanate is among the players that missed training today due to being sick reportedly um and Rabio and Uba Makano missed the semifinal like as a result Rafael Varane is also reported as potentially being sick and Chuameni and Teo Hernandez both uh, sat out of training on Friday or today, I should say, um, with minor knocks, maybe both available. But um, I think, I think Deschamps being brave enough, if Upamecano is available and Kanate is available, I think Deschamps being brave enough to drop Upamecano, like, yeah. could be key because I think Kanate was was brilliant against Morocco and actually did keep France from conceding a couple. And Uba Makano has looked like a liability, um, like throughout, um, which, yeah, I, so I think that's one. Um, and then in, in midfield, I think that man, Antoine is, he's been like the linchpin in this French setup. And I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, about Griezmann, just and focus on him because Mm. like what we've seen from him in this tournament in terms of he's the creative attacking midfielder that you'd expect in possession but out of possession he's winning the ball back he's occupying space he's tracking back he's like corralling people in the press like not things that we traditionally associate with Antoine Griezmann at club level What's like? What are we seeing from Antoine Griezmann with this French side that has made this, uh, I guess, like metamorphosis possible? I mean, the only thing I would say, just slightly, is that he has always had this defensive work rate, and sure. you have to playing for for an Atlético Madrid side, a Diego Simeone side. But I don't think we've ever seen it this deep, right? <laughs> on the yeah, pitch. I guess that's more so the uh, like, right. yeah, yeah. Don't mean to say and, he's like, he's ever been. Uh, a passenger or anything like that yeah. yeah yeah no and and i mean again i i said it jokingly but like not really like he's really being like conte and pogba at the same damn time <laughs> um and i think that's why france are here yeah because aurelian Schuamini, fantastic player huge huge potential like already starting to like meet that but i think a, a player that and um, we're you know talking about the keys for France too. I think like I think one of the keys is that Adrian Rabio has to be fit. Like he has yeah. to be fit for this game because I think Yusuf Fofana. That's like a big ask. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he's not a good player. I think he is a a, a very good player. And and him and Chouamani have an understanding, having been at Monaco together. But I think this this I think this occasion calls for more experience. Um, and and Adrian Rabio has been pretty good. 
um, you know, mm-hmm. lately for Juventus and, and also for France. So that'll be interesting to see who partners Chouameni. Or is that partner Griezmann and we stick someone else at Cam? I don't know. Um, but I, I just, I don't think it's as straightforward um, when you consider that that injury and sickness list that you just listed because, I mean, Jordan Vertu, like, he should not see the field. He's, not, I, I don't even know what he's doing here in this lineup, to be honest. <laughs> Kamavinga, like, I don't know if his profile is necessarily what, what this game needs to start. Right. Um, and then Ganduzi again, like he's kind of on, on the Fofana thing of like, I, I mean, if anything, he's like a definitely a yellow card, maybe a red. So I don't know if I bring him. He's up a for he's a, a final. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to protect a lead late in the game and you need you have someone mm-hmm. who's not on a yellow to go take a yellow, like mm-hmm. that's that's why you bring yeah. Ganduzi on is. It's yeah. the it's the Milner Liverpool substitution when they're protecting a lead <laughs> where it's like hey the next time someone is is countering just go kick him like because you're at least at least <laughs> at this point in his career because at yes. Marseille he is very instrumental oh, in in yeah absolutely for sure. yeah no and, yeah but and I, yeah for this yeah, France side he's for sure that's where he's at right now yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I think yeah, I think they have to be. I think some players need to become fit because I, yeah. I don't really like the B team, if you will. Um, if they're to put one together, and, and yeah. like even that right back, like Jules Kounde, like he, I thought he looked pretty average against mm-hmm. uh, Morocco, um, and so like that i i just think people need to get healthy like i think that's the major key like i give france every chance yeah. in the world if they can play the best players that they have but, sure um yeah well their b team got beat by tunisia in the group stage and that's like right you have to like acknowledge that yeah i mean they they had their chance and they lost so that's um mm-hmm it's it a little bit of an indictment of of the depth although you know i think when you're talking about substitutions within the game, if you're starting from full strength, then their depth is is impressive in terms of who they can bring off the bench. If those players right. are starting and those starters aren't available at all, that's like right. such a game changer. Absolutely. When you need 90 minutes or, you know, 75 minutes out of Fafana versus 30. Like that's... Right. Yeah. Um. And when you're talking, I mean, I think going to the midfield is a like natural place just because of the influence of Argentina's midfielders <laughs> and mm-hmm. where Messi is picking up the ball because Rabio feels like the that is the safety net on that flank because Messi's going to receive the ball on the right or, you know, between right and center of midfield as we've seen him for, you know, 20 plus years now he picks the ball up on that side on that flank and then either drifts in or drifts drifts out but like he kind of has his he has his pick and if Rabio isn't occupying that space and it is Fafana or something like that could be exposed and it's on the same flank as Kylian Mbappe and Teo Hernandez who both quality players but neither of them defend (laughs) (laughs) Crucial to France's attack, to be fair. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Probably both of them will get into my best 11, but they don't defend. And I think Rabio has allowed them that on that mm. flank because Rabio 
patrols like that side of the midfield and he'll go byline to like the midline basically like he goes right all the way out to the he'll go all the way out to the flank and all the way back infield like he is all over the place um laterally i guess the um yeah teo if it is you know if the balance gets upset and it is like Kamavinga who has to come in or something like that. It's like now Chuameni has to be that guy. And he he's very good, but not not like Robbie. He's just not like Rabio in that way. Mm-hmm. Like Well, he, and you want him driving forward with the ball. Right. Yeah. More of the pivot yeah. where Rabio is just supposed to be like mm-hmm. Yeah. Winning the ball, retaining the ball. I mean, kind well, of, the, and also like, the physical profile as well of Rabio is just he's, yeah. he's a big boy. So yeah, yeah. So okay. So the key, the real, it sounds to us like the real key is like get healthy. <laughs> the other, the other yeah. key probably. I mean, I think we'd be totally remiss not to mention Kylian Mbappe, but mm. it's been interesting because since that game against Poland his influence against both England and against uh uh Morocco mm. in both games his influence was limited to an extent not not limited it's not like he played poorly or anything like that and he does occupy a lot of the opposing defense but it's it, it's not it feels very different from 2018 where it was just kind of like the Killian Mbappe show and he was scoring a lot of goals in like on the road to the final. Um, he against Morocco in particular, I guess like one or I don't know, I guess the England game as well. Mm. His influence was primarily in the dribble, but not necessarily like he was receiving the ball very wide and he wasn't able to get into like shooting positions that often which is obviously that's a win like that's where <laughs> it's like if Mbappe is passing rather than shooting it's not ideal but it's still better than him shooting like cuz if he's getting into shooting positions then he's probably going to score um so is a key for France getting finding a way to get Mbappe back into like shooting positions or is France's style kind of too predictable where teams can just really game plan for how they're going to keep him wide? Well, England did do that and they did well to quiet him down, but then Usman Dembele like rampage. <laughs> so right. it's like, right. They, you know, they've got options. And then there's always Olivier Giroud to think about. And I think that'll be a very interesting battle between whoever starts for Argentina, be it Romero or Otamendi, who's been really good, um, and, and Giroud, who is France's all-time top scorer now. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting, though. But Mbappe, you know, Mbappe's game against Argentina at the last tournament where, you know, his, that's really where he exploded. Yeah. Um, I mean, from young talent to, like, superstars. So... Um, he'll be hoping to run it back for sure. But yeah, I think tactically, I think he will get joy. I think he'll get space, but I think that that could really hurt France as well. 
uh, because that is primarily where Messi roams. Yeah. Uh, and we saw when he got that little pocket space against Croatia what he did to, to Gavardio. Uh, and and his teammates, primarily Julian Alvarez, they, they know to, to make those runs once he starts going because he's not losing the ball once he's going forward. Yeah. So, um, and if it's, yeah, it'll cut both ways. Well, I guess as we kind of transition into Argentina's keys, mm-hmm. if we focus on that flank because it is going to be where a lot of the game is played if Mbappe and Messi are occupying the same side of the field mm-hmm. for 90 minutes or potentially 120 there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of play down down that side yeah when we think we talked about some of the shortcomings of the flank for France with Mbappe and Hernandez on that side and ideally for them Rabio patrolling in that midfield area on that flank for Argentina is Messi, depending on the setup for Scaloni, Rodrigo de Paul in midfield, and Nahuel Molina playing as mm-hmm. a right back. Mm-hmm. Potential, maybe. There's like, I don't know the likelihood. I'm not sure like his status, but Angel de Maria could also occupy like an, a space out there depending on the system that Scaloni wants to play and if he's fit um right but is that the key like is that flank functioning is it as simple as like hey this is a sort of an area where France is light and if we can get Molina DePaul and Messi linking up down that flank then we'll probably have some joy and some opportunities yeah i think it is i think it is going to be at the forefront of their their game plan and rodrigo de paul has been excellent really i think i think like he's been emblematic of argentina and the fact of like getting better as the tournament has gone on um and yeah he's been a stalwart i think he'll be i think he'll be really good um i think also alexis McAllister will have a role and Enzo Fernandez to play in. Mm-hmm. I think one of the keys is is quieting Antoine Griezmann's influence. Yeah, because he's been running games even when France haven't been very good. He's absolutely pivotal, um, and and so I think they can outnumber him. And I I just don't think whoever's behind him is going to be all that great. Like to, looking at looking at what. France might have as options like too many I, I I would assume he probably makes it but I don't know who who will partner him mm-hmm. um and so the two of them McAllister and Fernandez like if they can really hone in on on Griezmann like that'll that'll be a game changer I think um we obviously know you know we spoke about Messi and uh the other you know you you mentioned earlier the other attacker who has made a difference for for Argentina in Julian Alvarez. Um, Alvarez will has been kind of the the foil, I guess, in terms of if Messi is being marked, like similar to you said, you know, with Mbappe being marked and Dembele being left open. It's it's been sort of a similar dynamic where Messi being uh, either on the ball or or being marked has led to Alvarez being able to either get into space and be found 
to and the ball played to his feet or he's when Messi's on the ball he seemingly finds the right area to get into for Messi to to find him um so Mm -hmm. for Alvarez uh is it just more of the same of kind of finding these these moments it just seems like he's always kind of in the right place at the right time is it is that just the key is it (laughs) too overly simplistic to say that Alvarez like causing a a bit of like unpredictability for that French backline is really like a big key for Argentina I think it is and I think like the thing about Alvarez is that he is not just a nine like he can play as a winger and he's very quick um and and is a good interpreter of space and has very good timing uh, to arrive in the box uh and yeah if this if this defense is going to be makeshift at all they might have problems yeah. um and just i'm reading right now and apparently ibrahim konate's flu was reportedly more severe than veron's which i think is a shame because i thought konate was really really good against uh morocco um and yeah i mean I don't know. I I just, I don't know. Something's telling me like it's Argentina's, but (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it'll be, it'll be just fascinating. I think tactically to see kind of what unfolds, but there's so much though that we can't legislate for or predict of like atmosphere and, you know, day of preparations and nerves and, you know, refereeing officiating has been, yeah off the walls like this whole tournament so um who is referring i i was just uh trying to look up simon marciniak yeah okay i'm trying to look for the other it'll be his third match at qatar 2022 so he officiated france's 2-1 win over denmark in the group stage and the round of 16 clash between finalists argentina and australia I don't remember anything overly significant about the refereeing in the Argentina-Australia match. So maybe maybe good news that they've chosen uh, someone where there was maybe less... Uh... <laughs> I will say that Messi has... Mm won or excuse me has lost many matches with Marciniak in charge so interesting um yeah not I mean and a lot of these were like Champions League memes with Barcelona so whatever uh but just something that I thought was interesting was uh he refereed um Argentina Australia which they just won so yep yep yeah so interesting so yeah um yeah there's a lot of things i i think we can probably bank on the argentina crowd being the majority um, yeah based on the how it's played out so far um and yeah like you said i think i mean some of the some of the players that are either back from suspension or fit for argentina like acuna being able to come back to the team like he served his suspension in the semifinal so you know he's back 
after a yellow card accumulation. So, um, although Tagliafico, I thought played quite well against <laughs> against Croatia, I, I but bet I would think Acuna comes right back in. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, so I think Argentina maybe having the rub rub of the green a little bit. Um, you know, there's been shouts that that Paredes may start in place of McAllister, which I. I don't know. I kind of like McAllister. I think that's yeah. more balanced. Well, but. Paredes says like his biggest contribution to this World Cup so far has been uh, committing that really cynical foul against the Netherlands and then absolutely leathering the ball, Launching the ball at the <laughs> into the Netherlands bench. <laughs> that's been his like largest contribution. So yeah, I'm I'm I haven't been super like thrilled with how Paredes has has played at the tournament. So. Mm. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think that might be the safer choice, but I I do want to give a quick shout to Scaloni, in that we asked like I asked a question before the quarterfinals. I said like we're gonna learn a lot about Scaloni's uh, like tactic tactical ability in this Netherlands mm-hmm. match, and he wasn't like outfoxed by Van Hall at all. It literally actually led to Van Hall having to throw his plan out and just lump it up to Veghorst. Like that was the <laughs> like that became the plan. So he frustrated even a manager who had been getting a ton of credit for his tactical setups. And he's been very like he's change things up for basically every game <laughs> like they've played yeah different yeah. lineups different man, uh different formations um people in different roles different players starting so i think i think the one thing that we could probably bank on from scaloni is that he'll have he'll have watched the france morocco match over and over and over again and has a good idea of what he wants to do to get at this french team but absolutely but yeah and whereas wow. Deschamps is like I know how I will play like we play this 4-3-3 and that is what right we no will they play. I mean they really couldn't be more different in their yeah. approach to this tournament and and their experience I mean this is again like Didier Deschamps like icon at this point I think um, oh for you sure know, has a world cup title already Scaloni this is Scaloni's first like major job Argentina yeah I mean, he was an assistant at Sevilla, and then he he was, you know, an assistant for Argentina, assistant for the U-20s, then he became caretaker, and now he's got the big job. And it's just like, what he's managed to accomplish is just nuts. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm now I'm hype. I'm hype. Yeah. This is this is gonna be great. Sunday Sunday afternoon will be will be a fun watch. but we do have the small the small matter. I wanted to spend a, just a little bit of time on the Morocco Croatia third place game, um, and I guess like <laughs> I heard someone refer to the to the third place game as uh, you know they're like from a from a purely efficient standpoint, this is a game that just shouldn't happen because like it doesn't matter, but maybe we should take time to celebrate things that don't matter in like the strictest sense sometimes. Like maybe we should play more games that are kind of just for fun. Like, Mm. um, and 
in this specific case, it's like we have Morocco who are coming to, you know, have this kind of send off to the greatest performance in a, in a world cup by an African team ever. Like, right. The, it is the best performance ever by an African team. And, and then on the flip side, we have a Croatian team whose current golden generation, you know, and I think we can call it that without the attached cynicism of, of, uh, you know, the Belgians and like other countries that say golden (laughs) generation as if it's, uh, you know, something squandered, uh, this Croatian golden generation that went to a world cup final and a world cup semifinal in back-to-back world cups, um, the likes of Luka Modric, who's likely played at his last world cup, um, and this group of Croatian players getting a send off in a game, um, as kind of like the farewell to this competition that they had no business being so relevant in for a country of their size. Um, so kind of a cool send off for two teams that just deserve like the recognition of what they've been able to accomplish. No. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my point is like, this game probably shouldn't exist and more often than not, like, I feel like it doesn't matter, but for some reason, this iteration of it does. Cause these are two very proud nations that have like severely overperformed. Let's face it. Yeah. Like, you know, with Croatia making last, last time, last tournaments final, and then going as far as they did with this one, sending off an icon, like you said, and then Morocco who are, you know, representing their, their um, African brothers and sisters who never have made it this far. And then of course their own population of, of um, Arabs, Berbers and, and the mm-hmm. like. So, and the diaspora in Europe as well. So, yeah. um, and, and everywhere really, but um, yeah, this is probably like the more, most intriguing third place game that yeah. I can think of. And maybe one that I'll actually remember. Cause I couldn't tell you who played other third place games like (laughs) it's it really hasn't felt like much of an occasion but these two teams like I think they'll take it seriously I think their fans will take it seriously and I think that they'll be ecstatic if they win it yeah yeah I think I think it's one of those where if either France or Argentina had lost in the semifinal this game loses a little bit of its shine in a Mm -hmm. weird way because a team that absolutely does not want to be there right is now participating right Right. (laughs) Um, absolutely where i think these two teams playing in it like while yes both will have you know they're professional footballers they'll have been disappointed to have lost the semifinals of the world cup but i think both also acknowledge that where they got to was above where maybe they you know typically would have um and uh and yeah, I think it's kind of a cool changing of the guard in a way too, because the Croatia, this Croatian generation is getting this send off, and this Moroccan team, for their overperformance and and for like the like the surprise nature of like their results, mm. this is also a very young team at the that feels like it's kind of on the cusp of something really really special. Um, where it's like, hey, maybe this was a tournament early, but mm. next tournament when the likes of like Hakimi will be like 27, uh, or like 26, 27, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And then, you know, Unahi 
Mizrawi, like all these players that have come through are all going to kind of be like right in their prime at the next World Cup. So, I mean, in theory, things could continue Amrabat, to get better. Amrabat for, will be like 20, like 30, 30 or 29. Yeah. Yeah. Which so he'll, for a DM, that's like peak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I, so I think there's, there is something kind of exciting about the fact too that it's, it feels like Morocco is kind of, right on the the front edge of of this generation and and Croatia is kind of giving the send off to the to their uh current generation not to say that they won't reload and just come back with some absolute like you know wonder kids and <laughs> I mean Gavardio is a wonder kid isn't he yeah He's incredible yeah unreal um but um I mean who do you got who do you got in this one <sighs> I I know who you got. I mean, I I've been standing Morocco. <laughs> I I will stick with Morocco. I I think I do think in terms of the motivation around the game, Morocco has a slight edge and the fans in this one will absolutely be like that the fans will be um it'll be like a real party atmosphere I feel like for Morocco. Mm. Um because some of the stress of like I'm sure the Morocco fans at the semifinal were suffering like in terms of just the Big stress time. of being at a World Cup semifinal um so I think it'll be maybe a little bit more fun of a game I'm hoping for some goals because third place games are typically like pretty wild um in terms of like big uh wins I know like was was it 2010 yeah, the 2010 third place game. I think it was Germany and Uruguay. It was like three two. Mm, I think, I think so. It was like three two or three three or I don't know. It was it was like pretty wild. Schweinsteiger scored some like absolute like belter from like thirty five yards, um, and uh, so. Yeah, hopefully it's a fun game and the players kind of let loose a little bit, but um, I do think Morocco have the slight edge just because, one, they've been, like, so good at this tournament, but, um, but two, just because I think they'll have the fans, they'll have the the freedom to kind of go play their game, and um, and I think they they see them off. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel like Morocco... I think they just have so much pride in what they've done and their fans that, that I do give them the slight edge too. And I, and that's even with the injuries, just cause I think, I think they have one more push in them. Um, but as I've been saying with Croatia, the entire tournament, like I would not be surprised if they pull something off as well, but, no. um, I think it's, I think it's Morocco's time to be on the podium. Um, so, but either way, like, I'm actually looking forward to watching this game, which like usually the third place game, like you said, like, be like I, that's happening. Cares usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, with all that being said, it's obviously, I think this tournament has delivered more fun than what we were <laughs> anticipating over the course mm-hmm. of it. It's been it's been a good tournament to watch, and I think we talked about it needing maybe a marquee game, and maybe the final will be will be that just kind of like legendary game that people talk about. And it, I mean, especially if Messi wins it, that'll be something that'll spoke that'll be spoken about for 
generations. Um, But I wanted to focus on kind of the fun aspect of this World Cup and the fact that it has been, there's there's just been a lot of different storylines, a lot of different players who have kind of not emerged so much because I think we know, we just naturally know more players in the current digital age than like we would typically like in the past it'd be like who's this guy and you find out that he plays for like actually like a really big club and but everybody's like (laughs) oh he's burst on the scene you know um like Thomas Rodriguez playing for Monaco was like oh my god like so exotic like (laughs) has anyone seen this man play and then um you know now it's like Gavardio like yeah like higher profile games, but people have known about Gavardio for a while because he's been playing for Leipzig and like, you know, it's not like he's an unknown quantity. So anyways, focusing on the fun and the players who you just like enjoyed watching in this World Cup and who you rooted for, what stories were interesting, but just like what players did you like tuning in for? Yeah, I mean, you know, and people close to me know that I, I obviously I'm a USA supporter, but I do have a big, big soft spot for Japan. Um, my mother is of Japanese descent. My grandmother literally is from Japan, was from Japan. Um, and so I picked Ritsudoan. I think that he's been so entertaining. Um, I mean, the rocket that he scored against Spain when he came on not three, two minutes earlier... Uh, was one of my favorite moments of the tournament because it's just like it was just that fighting spirit of J- of Japan that they showed all throughout the group stage finished top of the group of death as it were yeah. um and he played a big part and you know they call him Japan's Messi which that <laughs> that nickname gets bandied about for every you know every player that's decently good from their nation but i mean he is like dimin- diminutive small speedy uh, and so, you know, nowhere near the levels, obviously, but like, I do see the comparisons. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he's starting to settle into German football, uh, mm-hmm. really well. I think he was really well, uh, really good for Arminia Bielefeld when he was on, on loan from, from Eindhoven. Um, and he's at Freiburg now. So, um, yeah, I mean, impact players are so important now that, the t- the game now uses five substitutes mm-hmm. and he's like the ultimate like weapon off the bench for Japan and so um I really liked watching him yeah I it's so funny because when I think of the World Cup especially when we talked about how condensed it is I, I'm like man I think about it almost in <laughs> stages of like the group mm-hmm. stage is like its own like you have your own ideas and then like things change <laughs> as teams go out and all that stuff because uh it's funny when I think about the beginning of the tournament the player that I was enjoying watching in the group stages was Jamal Musiala and despite the fact that Germany had a tragic like they were absolutely horrible like you know what or in terms of the outcome um but Musiala was like so good to watch in that Germany side and it's like it's like man they've really got something here um they don't know how to put it together into something like truly lethal yet uh for Germany but Musiala was one where I was just like man that is like that is a player that is I mean he's 
19 i think or 18 still um and already like central to his national team and his club team and like i think you're just like looking at a player like that and thinking like where's the ceiling for a guy like that um my god <laughs> like it's nowhere in sight yeah He's like who knows insane. like He's who insane. knows where he can go um and then I do have to just, I have to give a shout out to, I mean, Amrabat has gotten a lot of, mm. a lot of plaudits and rightfully so for how, how he plays in that Moroccan defensive midfield. But I think the player that I enjoyed over the last few games that like, especially for Morocco was, was Unahi. Um, Great shout. He, he's just like in the Morocco team and obviously, you know, he plays at Angers. Angers really struggling right now. I think he's absolutely the sort of guy that a team will watch what he did in <laughs> in the World Cup and say, like, how much are Angers really going to charge us? And I, I think we may, and I don't know if this is a good thing, but <laughs> he's absolutely a player I could see being signed by West Ham in January. <laughs> um <laughs> And it, uh, is, it is giving West Ham to be fair. So, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Unahi's just like his ability on the ball and just those maybe, maybe it's a similar, similar reason for Musiala and Unahi in different areas of the pitch, but their ability to escape pe- pressure and their ability just to resist press and like receive the ball under pressure, turn under pressure, pass the ball under pressure. Like they just always made good decisions um Mm. they kind of glide on the ball a little bit like both of them and so maybe i'm just finding that like (laughs) i have a style of midfielder slash like uh type i guess so but um but yeah (laughs) unahi uh for morocco was just like so vital to what they were doing but um made what they did you know despite like the defensive approach and all of that like made it all um silky connect he was the connection like the that made that right flank really work for for morocco between hakimi and ziyech so yeah i uh i really liked watching him and i mean particularly against portugal he was like next level he was unbelievable absolutely insane yeah yeah so love it great shots yeah it's been it's been a fun tournament like i I, the beginning of the tournament, I just remember thinking like, ugh, like there's so much that kind of sucks about this and yes, it's got tons of baggage and it, this doesn't erase any of that. Um, like there are still, ve- still very valid criticisms of the Qatari regime and like what's gone on in Qatar. But at the same time, like from a purely footballing perspective, the tournament has offered like quite a bit of of drama like not as much like quality maybe i don't know if that's like mm. weird well, to there say were a lot of like nil nils so yeah yeah like the best ga- it, it's odd to say but the best game of the tournament was probably uh germany spain in the group stage like in terms Technically, of quality yeah. mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how france argentina i guess measures up against this but but throughout the tournament, like there was tons of drama and tons of just like narrative all over the place, and uh, and some so we real both... excitement. Yeah, absolutely. So we both have Argentina in our bracket. 
to win it all. Are you still honoring that? I just want to check in. I am. Yep. I I'm sticking okay. with Argentina. Um, I I figure we we stuck by the. <laughs> this is your man. Like I'm gonna stand by him. Um, it'll be so yeah. heartbreaking if they don't win. Like I'm sorry to be so biased, but like yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I I think there is a real emotional element to this with uh with Messi and and. It's sort of why we, as humans, like, gravitate towards sports at the end of the day. Like, this sort of story is the sort of thing that they make movies about. Like, not just documentaries, but, like, Hollywood movies. So, yeah, yeah, I I think um, it, it feels almost too perfect, right? And, and... I just right. hope that the moment I hope that the moment is is seized cuz one France repeating would be kind of boring not boring it would be an unbelievable achievement don't get me wrong but it would be like ah but, let- I mean no it would be boring <laughs> I, I'll say it'll be boring okay. yeah it'd be like unreal for them but boring yeah for the neutral <laughs> not exciting when people repeat like no one should be able to do that right not that they shouldn't be allowed but no one should be capable of doing that like it shouldn't be possible so the fact that they're close that there's that and then just the emotional aspect of Messi potentially winning it and like the scenes at full time would be like like I'm not Argentinian I don't have Argentinians in my family but I think there will be a lot of people who will be emotional at that final whistle if Messi is lifting the World Cup, like who have no affiliation to anything that's going on and will find themselves like still emotional. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like tears will be shed by grown men who are neither Argentinian nor like Barcelona fans. Apparently, my mom's a big Argentina fan. I found out like yeah. she has a whole ass like kit. I'm like, That's- where'd you get this? <laughs> and like- then it's so funny that you said that your mom has a kit because literally, like that day, I saw someone retweet a news article ar- out of uh, Argentina that Adidas like made a-, a press release that Argentina shirts were sold out worldwide. <laughs> my mom's contributing to that (laughs) so she wants argentina to win like yeah sure yeah i think uh (laughs) i think my it's funny my family my family similarly was like drawing (laughs) drawing the lines i guess between between who they wanted to advance they uh i think they're going for argentina as well so it'll be interesting to be interesting to see how the but the family group chat's been a weird place to be during this World Cup because all of a sudden, Truly. all of a sudden, people are <laughs> invested. My aunt was explaining yellow card accumulation to the family. <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like I was proud but scared. <laughs> but yeah, it's like no, what does it's... this mean? <laughs> yeah, it's had a chokehold on everyone, hasn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a coworker on a call that started as a work call. Like mm. it then turned into like 
she was literally saying like, well, I've been rooting for France just because I like a lot of their players and like, I really like Drew. And, I was, and it was funny because I was like, I was like, I know why you like Drew. I know yeah, why. We, we, <laughs> we, everyone, all, we, we all know why yeah. you like Drew. But she was like, she was like, but there's just something about like, if Messi wins this. And I was like, you don't even care. Like that. And that's someone just like off the street. Right. <laughs> Casual, yeah. Like no, they, it yeah, would be amazing. Yeah. So, um, it's been, it's been wild to, to watch, um, crazy <laughs> World Cup. But, um, yeah. With all that being said, uh, I guess like, we hold our breath now until Sunday. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed a little bit of a primer. Um, you can let out a little bit of nervous energy listening to us and and maybe think through things. Um, if you have thoughts on what you heard on the podcast, if you have your predictions for the final, um, send them over to at HXC Football on Twitter and Instagram because um, I'd love to see like what the vibes are like who wants absolutely who wants argentina like who wants this historic messy win or who wants you know a, fr- a french repeat like who wants who wants the uh the double double <laughs> <laughs> let's just say duh. Le duh. <laughs> that's probably what the, that that'll be the headlines in france if they do win it'll just say like duh on the front page in giant letters. Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, uh, I want to, I'd, I'd love to hear everybody's, everybody's thoughts on the final. And, and then I'd also love to hear like, who was your favorite player to watch? Like, yes. Um, Get so, at us. Yeah. Send, send those over at HXC football. And then, uh, yeah, check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Um, and I'm sh- we'll be back after the final. Mika, like, we are going to put together our, our best 11s. I and, already started. And we're going to... putting it in my phone throughout the tournament. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to have oops all Moroccans on... Uh... <laughs> Captain Crunch oops all Moroccans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no um, I love that. yeah so i uh <laughs> I, I i do uh think we'll we'll hopefully see some of your starting 11s or your best 11s of the tournament as well but we'll be back after the final we'll wrap it up and then we'll uh we'll talk our best 11s but until then hope everyone has a uh, a wonderful weekend and uh we will be speaking soon on these matters see ya